podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Crowd cheers. Here's Siddle. He's got Everyone and welcome to well, it's the it's the English bogey number of uh, two slips in a gully one one one. Right. That yep. uh, we did our eighty seven not too long ago, um, yeah. but now we've got one one one, which is the number that uh, all the palms get all antsy about. Yeah, well, we don't. So you know, we've we've gotten our superstition episode out of there. <laughs> Um, for those of you playing at home, you can obviously hear that I've been joined tonight by Glenn. How are you, Glenn? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, how are you? I'm okay. I'm good. I'm 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 ready to go. We've good. got a lot of planning into this one. Uh, yeah. With some last minute planning, I will be honest. I was sitting there at home going, "What am I going to talk about in in this episode? I'm not sure." And when and you know, in yep. the little free time I had, went and found out some cool story points, and I think we've got a. We've got a pretty, a pretty nifty episode going on tonight. Yeah. Um, yeah, not a lot of cricket on. I suppose there, there's always cricket somewhere, but um, yeah, there's as, no, there's as no... far as interesting cricket from, from our perspective. Yeah, there's the, I've been catching a bit of the IPL on the KO yeah. minis, and there's some very impressive uh, stroke play, and um, my man crush, Josh Hazelwood, just took four for not many in his last game, so yeah. I was pretty excited about that. So yeah. Pat's going well. Maxie's going well. Oh, Pat's actually been uh, spanked around quite a bit since that first game. Right. Came out, rocked up, fastest IPL 50 ever. Yeah. You know, whatever. And then he's gone. I reckon he's gone for about nine or ten and over. Right. Pretty consistently bowling since then. So it's um mm. some pretty big scores for four batsmen in the IPL. Yeah. Um. So... Uh, Speaking of, so obviously we're at this point where it's a bit of a dry period for for cricket. And April typically is. I mean, the two big historical nations, Australia and, and England, Australia is well and truly done by, by April. And England hasn't really gotten a full swing. County sort of just started, but it's not sort of the ideal part of their summer. So there's, you'd imagine this would be a really quiet um, uh, part of the year and not much has happened. But in my research, this week, in April is actually quite exciting. So we're going to have right. some things to talk about. So first thing that we're going to talk about is we're going to go back in time. We're going to dust off the time machine. I know we all love our time machine ones. And we're going to go back yeah. and we're going to have a look at um, a match between South Africa and the West Indies. And the reason that this particular game is significant is that this was the first game that South Africa got to play after Reed Wittens. It was their first test after being brought back into the fold. So a pretty historic moment in the cricketing landscape that took place in just an obscure week in April. Mm. Yep. The, uh, another thing we're going to talk about is this was also the week that the IPL first debuted, what, 14 years ago, I think we're up to now, 2008? Yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember the first IPL and, you know, I was a young man then and... Um, it would always be on as you got home from the pub. <laughs> yeah. Late at night. <laughs> it would just be like, it would make you stay up even just a little bit later. And you, it was on Channel 10 and yeah, you had Andrew exactly. Simons coming out. And yeah, yeah, exactly, and, exactly, yeah. And you'd be mm-hmm. home from the pub, all right, I should go to bed. And I'll, you know, I'll get some water into me and watch... You know the first innings of the IPL. And, I always always made yeah. a, made time for the the Kolkata Knight Riders and the uh, the Deccan Chargers. Yeah, because I uh, really like watching Ponting and McGrath go. I'm pretty sure it was the Deccan Chargers that mm. McGrath played for. Whichever McGrath's team was, they don't in it now, or yeah. they've changed their name since then. But uh, yeah, um, and that was a pretty big one. Sean Marsh announced himself on the international landscape. He got called up and was, I think, he was the leading run scorer for the inaugural tournament. Uh, yeah, um, some really, really clean hitting. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing we have a bit of a chat about is also the anniversary this week of what is possibly one of the finest hundreds ever scored, which is of course Viv Richards. Um, long-time record-holding fastest 100 of 56 deliveries against England. So we'll have, have a bit of a chat about that. And, uh, yeah. all, you know, and of course, it's, it was flaying the palms and 
<laughs> we, they always seem to be on the end of this. We've, like, um, we've never hired, hid away from that fact. And let, that yeah. one period where we really wanted them to beat India, other than that, we've, we've, we've put our... Uh, yeah. It was it was an odd our colours on the mast. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so all of that uh, that cringing goodness is coming up right after this. time machine we've dusted it off we've uh, brought it out and we've gone on an adventure and that adventure has taken us to april 18th 1992 and we're in bridgetown for the only test between south africa and the west indies and of course the reason why this one is uh, one to talk about is this is the first test that uh, south africa has played since the apartheid regime yeah. Uh, uh, Very ambitious in hindsight, isn't it? Yeah. We haven't played Test cricket for about 40 years. I'm pretty sure yeah. I read somewhere that this is the first Test ever in South Africa's history that wasn't that was against a coloured team. It wasn't against an all-white team. Right. So okay. up until that point, they've obviously played only played against yeah. Australia. And so I England. thought they, they they felt like maybe you know we'll we'll tick that box as well. Yeah. We'll um, uh, we'll just. Overcorrect and just yeah yeah <laughs> yep. have everyone yeah well, well good well good so but you know like the the team that they played against and and considering yeah um, they were at the top of the game that was West Indies sort of you know not in their prime but certainly still beating. There, most was of the world. 1992, so what we yeah. hadn't taken the... Um, yeah, it was still four years before we'd take the Frank Worrell Trophy off them. So they're, they're still very much uh, in uh, a classy side, and, and to be honest, they, they show their class at the end of this game. So they start off, uh, South Africa would have to be loving where they were at after the first inning. So the first, mm. um, West Indies uh, batted first yep. and uh, were dismissed for uh, 262. Yeah. No real scores of notes. Uh, Desmond Haynes and Keith Arthurton both scored 50s. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richie Richardson had a 40 with the um, – uh, he was also the captain of the side, and that was pretty much it. After after Keith Arthurton, only one player, which was Jimmy Adams, scored in, in double figures. And, yeah, yeah, they got themselves to 262 off, uh, off 71 overs. And uh, Yeah. So, yeah, uh, like a, a few players who went on to be notable for – South Africa there. You had Alan Donald. Yeah, Alan Donald was, was in this. Um, I'm of, not particularly up to date with the the histories of most of them. Uh, Tertius Bosch, I hope that's how you pronounce his name, he was yeah. there. Um, he opened the bowling. Uh, Mayrick Pringle uh, got two for 62. And yeah. Richard Snell was the chief destroyer taking four for 83. Did- I remember Snell. Um, he was, yeah, a regular fixture for South Africa in that period. Um, but other than that, really only, I only know Alan Donald who ended up becoming an all, all-time great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, so they go on to their batting innings and powered largely by uh, a massive 163 by Andrew Hudson, their opener. Um, they actually get themselves to quite a handy lead. They score all out for 345. Uh, Kepler yeah. Vessels, uh, one of the few people in the history of cricket that have captained two nations. Um, did he captain Australia? I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure he did. I'm yeah, I think it, maybe he was biased and he stood in for a while. But, yeah, he's I'm, like... I'm pretty sure it was... Well, it wasn't obviously a long period, but I, I think it was he was an outright captain right, okay. at one point. Yeah. Uh, he scored 59, batting at three, um, and sort of a couple of handy sort of contributions. Adrian Huper scored 34 runs off 168 balls, so we uh, made them get earn his wicket. Yeah. Um, and then, so the West Indies came out in the second innings again. It wasn't particularly... I, I believe, though, that Jimmy Adams got a forfer. Oh, yes. I can't and believe that, I missed I, that. I couldn't believe that when, 22, when I read that. 22 overs and got a forfer. So, like, I mean, he was a handy bowler, like, in much the same way that Carl Hooper was a handy bowler. They kind of picked him as the guy to rotate their quicks because their quicks were Kurtley Ambrose, Courtney Walsh, Patrick Patterson and 
Kenny Benjamin. Yeah, that was their their uh, bowling you, lineup. You get through all through three of those, uh, four of those, four quicks, and then you give you a wicket to Jimmy Adams. Yeah, so uh, like Adam Adams bullied the tail. To be fair, oh, right. he um, yeah. he got out uh, Donald Pringle and uh, the wicketkeeper Richardson and Hansi Cronje. So he got two yeah. batsmen and, and two bowlers. Mm. Um, but, yes, yeah, so they got a fairly handy lead. Uh, South Africa, 345 versus um, 262. So that's, you know, 80-odd run lead. You'd be pretty happy with that in yep. the first test back yeah, against exactly. the West Indies yeah. in their backyard. Mm. Um, and they came out and um, they knocked over the West Indies again for 283 off 81 overs. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the, a really good bowling effort. Like, they didn't touch 300. They've got the likes of Lara and Richardson and Haynes. Um, and Keith Arthurton was, was decent. He was one of those players that just didn't quite fulfil his potential. Um, but, yeah. Well, two of the players that you mentioned were um, the Thorns in South Africa side. Jimmy Adams, again, off the back of his four-wicket haul, came out and were was 79 not out, the leading scorer. Brian Lara was uh, 64. Those were the two major scorers. Uh, Keith Arthurton and Desmond Haynes got a start and no one else really chipped in. Um, Alan Donald sort of really announcing himself on the world stage, taking four for in the second innings. Richard Snell again got a four for, so they were powered the South African attack. So they were set. 201 to win in the fourth innings. And you're thinking there is South Africa, oh, this Test cricket game's, you know, pretty good. Yep. This West Indian side's bullied everyone from pillar to post for the better part of two decades. Yeah, and and we've, we've got them out and they haven't scored we've, 300. We've gone over to yeah. their uh, over their backyard and we've got a pretty... We've got our 20 wickets. Now let's just knock off these runs. 200, 200 <laughs> runs, you know, we have a good yeah. good dig. You know, a couple of partnerships and home and hose, done. No. They only had one partnership. One really. partnership. <laughs> Kepler Vessels and Peter Kirsten both scored 50s. Vessels scored 74. Peter Kirsten scored 52. And that was all she wrote. The next highest score was four. <laughs> really? Well, oh, God. extras at 11. That, that sounds like a familiar scorecard. Um, and um, so if you had one guess who the two chief destroyers were for the West Indies. Who do you think they were? Of Jimmy Adams with the big four for in the first innings. Do you think he <laughs> backed it up and spun them to victory? Well, I kind of know, but, you know, you're right. Is the destroyers that you'd expect. You're not going to go past Kirtley and, and Courtney. No, 10 wickets between them. They bowled 46 over, or almost 47 overs, 10 for 65. Um, yeah. Six wickets for Ambrose, four wickets for Walsh. Cool. Yep. And they we yeah. had you worried. We had, had us worried for a little bit. Now yeah. it's time to put the big boy pants on and yeah. it's a game of cricket. Yeah. Um. So yeah, obviously not the result that the the South Africa would be hoping for. So but I they just, lost eight for twenty odd. They they would have been cruising it like yeah, so two for one twenty. Kepler vessels. Yeah, two for one twenty three. Kepler vessels then got out, making it three for one twenty three, and then all out for one forty eight. So. Uh, eight for twenty-five. Eight for twenty-five was the. Yeah. Uh, That's a bush ranger style play. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. So, um, but yeah, just that was the thing about the West Indies, though. How many times did we have them in position? We were like, we could do this. Yeah. We yeah, finally we'll knock. Oh god. Oh god. Oh god. No. Yeah. And yeah. then yeah, Ambrose and Walsh and. Mm. And there, was, co of just... there was one I remember, I think it was at Adelaide, and I think I always reference this, but I'm going to do it again, where it was like, oh, yeah, it's a small total. We, we could get this. And then it's like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. And then Tim May and, <laughs> and McDermott got together, and we're like, oh, we're, we're buggered. And it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're getting there. We're, we're getting there. We need two runs to win. And McDermott gloves one down the leg side or something. Yeah. And people are still debating whether he hit it or not. Yeah, it's almost Kastrovich in the <laughs> 05 level. Yeah, yeah. It was almost, yeah, very deja vu kind of, yeah. Queenslander as well. Yeah. Nice bowler. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. But, yeah, so, uh, yeah. Obviously now we've known that from there South Africa have at their 
various points have become a real dominant world power in in international cricket, especially sort of that two thousand like late to mid late two thousands, mid twenty tens. So yeah, all built off the back of a, this start in nineteen ninety two, and then working from there. So they, you know, it, it got better for South Africa. They uh, yeah. they figured it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. But like overall, you look at that scorecard and you're like, considering the quality of the opposition and the fact that this is our first game back, you'd be like, yeah, we did well. Take that. If Take you were that a positive memory. captain. Yeah. <laughs> Bit of extra batting. It's a class half full situation. Some, some extra batting at the top and uh, we get there. But, um, yeah, so yeah. I, I was actually surprised that uh, so Peter Kirsten actually got the go before. Yeah, I didn't realise that. Gary. Who Peter was... Kirsten in the side. Gary still waiting on the, the sideline. Mm. And, yeah, I think he was a very good opener for them for a long time. Yes, yes, he was. If they had, if they picked Peter, I mean, picked Gary, you never know. Yeah, exactly. You got the wrong Kirsten, man. Um, I think Peter Kirsten ended up being average at best, like averaging in the thirties somewhere. Yeah, we did our um, not... was our family matters. Yeah, it's all in the family eleven, and um... yeah, yeah, I think I picked them in my family eleven. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was definitely one was far better yeah, than the other. Exactly, yeah. But, yeah, so, uh, you know, quite, a, quite an interesting game. A game that uh, toed and throwed, obviously. Um, and, uh, yeah, well, it's a quite an exciting uh, readmission for South Africa back to world cricket. And just, yeah, a little bit of really exciting cricket history that uh, happened on this sort of innocuous week towards the end of April. Yeah. So, mm. yeah. yeah, go April. Here we go. Ryan Harris. Oh, straight away! He's crashed into the stumps. England have lost their first wicket with the first ball of the innings. Keeping with our looking at this week in a historical context theme, uh, this was when the inaugural IPL first started. And uh, I think I'm pretty sure it got off the mark with uh, a Kolkata Knight Riders game. Yeah. And uh, do you re- do you remember anything particular about this game? It's okay to say no. It was a long. I know time the ago. IPL is not your yeah cup of tea typically. No, I, was, I don't think I was out drinking that night, so <laughs> I must have missed it. Uh, I'm pretty sure. And uh, listeners, was, correct was it me if I'm wrong. Wasn't it against the Daredevils? Oh, I can't remember no. who, okay. who it was against, but I just remember it was earmarked with a Brendan McCullum 150. Right, yeah. Okay. Um, and I'm pretty sure he's the last person to score 100 for the Kolkata Knight Riders. Right. So okay. they got that out of the way early. Mm. Uh, and yeah, so, and obviously, so that, that kicked it off, and it was um, littered with, um, you know, Semi-retired players. Gilchrist came out of retirement. Uh, yeah. Andrew Simons came along. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, Sanath Jayasuri was there. Like, all sort yeah. of, like, these big players. I remember, I, the reason I asked if it was the Daredevils, I remember that they went absolutely terribly. I think they, they came last. Um, <laughs> but their method was like, okay. And everyone was, like, looking at their side going, Oh, you've got a very good test side. I think they had like Dravid was in it. I think they had Jacques Callas. Um, and yeah, like one to 11, like good test players. And, and I think their method was like, oh, you know, good, good test cricketers are just good cricketers. So I'm sure the skills will transfer. <laughs> Turns out it's a lot of difference between test cricket and 2020. Yeah. 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 Um, we, we figured that out. So I like the method. I like, you know, we'll just get quality and, and see if they can be adaptable. Uh, and it turns out not necessarily. Uh, some can, some can't. MS Dhoni was the uh, the hot big ticket item for, right. I think it was the Chennai Super Kings. Is that what they're – I'm pretty sure they're still the Chennai Super Kings. Yeah. I think that was his – his team, he was the hot property, which he remained hot property for quite a long time in the IPL. Mm. I think he's only just stepped away. I think this is his first, the first year without a MS Dhoni yeah. featuring in the IPL. So he, he's been, he's been there since, since Genesis. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's 
like like we said at the end, it's not particularly your cup of tea. I can't say that I've watched lots and lots of the IPL. I've caught yeah. little bits and pieces over the last fourteen years. Yeah. Um, so to me, it just has it, it does have all of the frustration, all of the things that I that really irk me about twenty twenty. It's it's so skewed towards the batsman. And I feel like when they play in India, it's more so because the boundaries are in a long way. Yeah, I've caught caught some of the KO minis for uh, the IPL, yeah. and I was watching like you know, they hit a six, and they're like, you know, the Indian commentators are like, "Whoa, that is twenty rows back! What a hit!" And it comes up six distance, seventy eight meters, and I'm like, "What?" Yeah, and like they weren't like they, they, the, they weren't the, kidding. At the MCG, you're getting caught out on the boundary. Yeah, of that that <laughs> was it. Did it cleared the boundary? Probably wasn't twenty rows back, but it was yeah. like good five or six rows back. And then you're looking yeah. at it going seventy meters. I'm like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. Yep. Cool. And then there's another one that like cleared the rope, and you're looking at it sixty two meters, and I'm like, that's nothing. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, like, but like, yeah, it, you're right. It is something that uh, it's already a format that skews towards batsmen. Mm. And then it being played in India on those and, and pitches yeah, Indian, with the small grounds. I, I think Indian viewers really like watching the batsmen. And traditionally, their sides, maybe not so much of, of late, but their strong sides have been built around great batsmen. You can see that that's, you know, I think that's part of the Indian identity to be yeah, into batting and, you know, bowling sort of. Goes by the wayside a little bit. I suppose maybe, maybe quick bowling, mm. spin bowling. I'd probably disagree with. Yeah, quick bowling tends to sort of fade in. You know, batting spinners, and then if there's time for attention, yeah, the leftover attention will go to the quicks. I think yeah, maybe different trending now in the test side, but I think still there's that we want to we, we go to the game. We want to watch a lot of runs. We want to watch a, watch a lot of batting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there's absolutely no doubt that the IPL shook the foundations of world cricket, and it has been yeah. completely different since since that's taken off. Um, and for for good and for bad, uh, I think that um, it's, especially because it is such a big money tournament, we're looking. Uh, a perfect example is right now all of the South African players that didn't and and Bangladesh players that didn't play in the current Test series because they were busy with their IPL commitments. Mm. Um, and I think that's well, – I've always maintained that I, I disagree with them being put in a position where they've got to choose. I understand that, like we've talked about, pl- richer cricketing nations, um, players can can make that distinction. Oh, I'm already well paid, but I really want to concentrate on my representing my country, so I'm going to give this one a miss. Yeah. But, you know, when you're looking Not at... Not everyone has that luxury. Yeah. When you're looking at people from the West Indies or people from Bangladesh or Afghanistan, um, you know, they're not going to part. Like, yeah. So what, Shakib Al-Assan probably has earned more from a handful of seasons in the IPL than he would ever, ever from his match payments for Bangladesh. Yeah. Or his whole career. Well, I mean, yeah. I think it has deprived us a little bit of, of, of a few careers to see what they would have done in test cricket and even in, in international 50 over cricket. Um, you know, the one that, that comes to mind, and there's probably a couple of other things that have deprived us of this, but Andre Russell, I feel like he would have made the West Indian side um, as a test cricketer. Mm. And definitely, I think he already did play a couple of 50 over games. But, I mean, there was that, and he was banned for drugs as well, I believe. Is that Andre Russell? I think so, yes. Yeah. Anyway, um, um, him, like uh, possibly Gale a little bit, you know, like he when he started. I think a lot of that has to do as well. I don't, say, I don't think the IPL is the reason for that, but I think it was, it, it, I think more. 2020 cricket. It was the, yeah. it was the board, the, the West Indian cricket board being very difficult to deal with and these West Indian players were, well, we have an out. Yeah. Like, if you're not going to do what we want, then we just won't play for you. Yeah. And it's not like, well, if you don't play for us, then how are you going to make money playing any cricket? And, like, they basically <laughs> called their bluff, and these yeah. players then went, well, we'll just go and play. Yeah. Franchise. Franchise cricket, cricket make lots Which was of not money. a thing yeah. before. You know, he's not going to line up for the 
New South Wales, the Speed Blitz Blues. <laughs> you know? um, um, but yeah, it's it sparked a, a massive national trend, like international trends. So it started with the IPL. There's obviously the Big Bash, which is in Australia. Um, England, who uh, played uh, the T20 cricket first at a, at a domestic level, really then sort of revamped their T20 competition. And they've now come out with a hundred to to. They're probably the last ones really to the party in that sense because it's so ingrained in their county system. Mm. Um, there's the Pakistan Premier League. There's uh, the the CPL in the Caribbean. The Bangladeshis have one. I think Sri Lanka has started one now because they've all recognised that it's such a wonderful money earner for yeah. um for for national boards and that's probably one of the really big positives about the IPL is that um is that that it makes a lot of money i mean there's you know there are people on both sides of the camps that argue that this you know uh hyper advertised and lucrative T20 market means that um you're getting less and less first class yeah ready players because they're coming it's through almost, the rank. it's almost worked too well like, you know, they wanted to bring cricket into the 21st century. They wanted it to be a, a package that you can, you can sort of pump out in three hours mm. rather, as opposed to half a day. Yeah, in terms of helping um, cricket, I, yeah. can, I can accept that franchise uh, cricket has helped cricket the sport. I mean, you've only got to look at the national rep, international representation now of teams playing you know, and competing for the, the 20 over World Cup. But in terms of test cricket, which is the original, I, I just cannot see how it has helped test cricket at all. It's take other than other than giving money to well, the boards to help fund it, but the actual format itself, players nowadays are coming out like you're far more likely to find players mm. that are proficient at laps and uh, laps and reverse sweeps than they are just a simple front foot defense. Well, yeah, I mean there is a couple of outliers, though, who have worked their way up. We talked about it last week from 2020 into Test Cricket. Yeah. Um, like, for instance, I don't think David Warner would have necessarily got his run. Now, it's, he's a very special case. Well, I think he would have got his run. 2020, the format is one thing, but I'm talking about the, the franchise. Yeah. Phenomenon that we, we've oh, got. okay, right, yeah, um, yeah. Because they're so lucrative, now all these players coming out realise, especially from other nations, I've got to go, if I, if I want to make it as a cricketer, first off I need to be able to play all three formats. Yeah. So it's there's less, uh, especially for young batsmen, there's there's less incentive to come out and have a, a ready-made, rock-solid Rahul Dravid-style technique where you can defend mm. all day and... All that sort of stuff. You you need to be able to have shots. Mm. If your if your goal is I want to become as rich as I possibly can and play you know, yeah. lots and lots of cricket, you need to be able to play these laps and it's kind of like the, the, the and, death of the stodgy batsman, the stodgy but determined batsman in a way. Um, you know, it's kind of oh, well, like I'd say they're in, gonna... they're endangered more than they're they're yeah. than they're dead. But it's True. certainly if you're a young kid. And you're looking at everything. Okay, you can what, see. what style do you want? Do you want to be a hard-nosed player, um, or do you want to play reverse sweeps over third man for six? And you know? if you if you can play reverse sweeps over third man for six, you're going to earn a lot more money. You know, you'd yeah. be silly not to. And I think yeah. that's that's one thing that this franchise thing is. It's become so prominent and so lucrative. It's now affecting how. Yeah, kids I mean, are learning the game. You could probably argue that it's given opportunities to people who wouldn't have otherwise had opportunities. Oh yes, yeah. and that's absolutely the positive. I mean, look at all of the, um, you know, Rashid Khan for Afghanistan. Mm. He's an international superstar based largely off just bouncing around um, uh, franchise formats. There's yeah, exactly. all sorts of young Nepalese players like Sandeep Lamashane that are all getting exposure, mm. and not only exposure but playing an elite competition that can go back and then take all that experience back to help their. Um, yeah. Plus, plus, we know that like our our system and and probably the the English system tends to be based on uh, private schools coming through as juniors. Yeah. So you could argue that now it's kind of opened it up. If you have a skill that can be useful in the 2020 game, you could come from anywhere. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, yeah, like I mean, Peter Hatoglu. Yeah, exactly. Um, he, you know, like he becomes he was, a household name based purely off that he was playing. Was it third grade? I think in yeah. Melbourne and got landed a gig at the the Renegades and then became a household name and then yeah. went on to win a title with her scorches the next year. Absolutely, yeah. yeah I, there's there's plenty of positives and like we're, we've obviously we've held pretty firm throughout this entire time we've done this podcast that um, we we don't hate to franchise T Twenty cricket, but it's also one of the things that. We're probably the, the least interested in if we were talking mm. the, the forms of cricket, um, but yeah, there are definitely positives like that. Just the yeah, it's been creating avenues for for cricketers to get in because there's now so yeah. much of it. Being I played. only use the the local example because you know that's what we we know. But I'm sure there's plenty of examples of the IPL of people working their way up in the into the Indian system who wouldn't have well, otherwise. Well the IPL I think is probably one of the um the the, the great landmarks because India have used to use that as a printing press for players. I mean how many players that um have come through into the Indian system that are like, oh well, they've got a pretty handy IPL and they just turn into like ready made international megastars. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I will give the IPL is that India seem to have, have managed it in a way that they are readying these players for international for success. For the big stage, yeah. Whereas that's probably something, especially in Australia, the, the Big Bash just simply does not produce no. Australian players. Yeah. Um, there, there's yet to be a single player that has you know, been unearthed by the Big Bash that has gone on to do... Yeah. Um, I, I think um, Tanvir and Jason Sanger could be the first of that sort of generation of players that are coming through. But that's that's 10 years down the line that it's taken. It doesn't say a whole lot about the quality of cricket. It might be good to watch, but is it quality? That's, you know, I don't think... I don't think they came up that much, to be honest, <laughs> as long as it sells tickets. Yeah, I think that's the big... Um, they've been using it as their goal. The Cricket Australia have been using the Big Bash as their golden goose mm. um, to pay for everything else. And I, I'm hoping that they're slowly starting to turn around now and go, we can we can do both. We can use yeah. this to fund what we need to fund, but we can also help bring along... Because um, the thing is, they seem to do it very well for the women's game, and that was my next point. Was that also yeah. it has made women's cricket far more um, accessible and um, open for international players to come through with the in, yeah, the advent of the hundred, the women's yeah. hundred, the WBBL, and and I think largely that um, South Africa women the women's team have benefited a lot from the WBBL because there are so many South African players playing in the WBBL, which has helped them get ready for bigger and better international competition. Yeah. So it's, and it is, yeah, it's a very good, for a viewer, it is a very good ed- entry level sort of thing. It's a three hour commitment. There's a result at the end of it. <laughs> and it's also, you got the whole tribalism thing because there are, there are franchises, their teams, people get behind it. I want to, you know, let mm. me buy the next, the sixes hat mm. or let me buy yeah. the Deccan chart. No, 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 well, Royal Challenges Bangalore, that's probably the popular one. With whichever team Virat Kohli ends up at is typically the one that sells a lot of Yeah, yeah, that's right. A yeah, lot of yeah. merchandise. Um, yeah, the capitalism <laughs> wheels keep turning. So yeah, so it's um, all starting back fourteen years ago this week and it has fundamentally shifted the way that uh, the world cricket's operated. And uh, I would say for the sport of cricket, it's largely for the good. There are some drawbacks, obviously being that uh, the IPL demands so much attention that, um, and with they're throwing around so much money that it's it's taking stars out of international cricket, which you know should always be the focus. Mm. I feel, yeah. Um, so and yeah, I just I just sort of don't relish the the idea that you know fifteen twenty years down the line we could be talking about the the big marquee matchup, which is you know um, Chennai versus yeah um, you know Chennai versus Royal Challengers Bangalore instead of well, it being India versus Australia like, yeah like like say soccer or football is you know like 
the big matchup is between yeah, Barcelona and Real Madrid. Yeah, exactly. And unless it's a World Cup, you don't really care about the international. Nobody friends. cares about the international game. And that's um, and that's, I feel that's that's one of the things I'm very scared about is I want all, especially Test cricket. Yeah. Um, all the international fixtures should be really important and really highly touted mm. instead of it being you're waiting. And you're already seeing that with the one-day international and T20 international fixtures. Yeah. They're almost, we don't really care too much. It's not a part of a World Cup. So Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And, it's and, just like and, you tend to only have a one-off T20 series yeah. international or yeah, maybe three. And you know, bilateral the normal bilateral three match series isn't nearly. Like, do you remember with, like the the um, Chapel Hadley? Yeah, was a, a three match yeah. one day international series, and I remember especially in the mid two thousands that got talked up heaps. Yeah, all the time. Oh, it's the, the the Chapel Hadley Trophy, and now it's sort of oh yeah, we're playing three one days against New Zealand. Okay, cool. And, yeah, and it's just. You already can see that those are going down that, and the next yeah, well, the next step is when you obviously when you're looking at uh, test players, you know English test players. They only recently um, they step uh, stood aside so they can go play the IPL. South Africa and Bangladesh have had it. If you're getting teams that are the players that are, are willing to go and play these franchises mm. before their nation, it's only a matter of time before test mat, test cricket gets. Yeah, really had its legs cut off underneath it. I think. I think. Additionally, like it's. I think for the bowlers as well, it's it's really changed. Like spinners now, if you come up through the the IPL of the the twenty twenty game, they just learn to bowl these these darting. You know, no one bowls under ninety k ninety k's an hour, or you know. Um, so it's it's changed their style, um, and. I think you you do see that coming into into Test cricket as well. Like Mitchell Swepson, he's got to make that adjustment because he's he plays so much T Twenty cricket mm. that he's got to get the ball up over the eye line. You know, you're almost eliminating that attacking bowling mindset. Bowling has all become about creating deliveries that are hard to hit. Yeah. Um, and if you can't do that, you're not going to go well in 2020 cricket. Well, that being said, that typically if you're a good leg spinner, especially a leg spinner, you'll typically do well in T20 cricket. So if you've got yeah. that skill set. So they found, like found a like new a, way to survive. A, a good outswing bowler, for instance, is not as valuable as in, in, in the 2020 game. Like, yeah, if anything, you want to bowl in swing. <laughs> yeah, like he's only going to get two overs probably at the top of the innings. Um, to sort of ply that trade, and after that, he's just going to be a sitting duck. Yeah, well, a good example for is Jason Berendorf from Australia, who was borderline yeah. unplayable in the power play, and then you really can't trust, almost can't trust him at all in the the death overs because yeah, he just gives them length and mm. and and pace. Yeah, uh, but but yeah, overall. I think this the franchise phenomena has been good for the sport. I think the the it's really easy to see because you just look at all the teams like America, you know, Nepal, Hong Kong, all these countries that are uh, are coming out of the woodwork to play. And there's yeah. talk about it being introduced at the I think it's the 2028 or there's a 2032 Olympics. Mm. And um, if that's the case, you know, getting America and even China. Putting in a um, yeah an Olympic T Twenty team means that they've got it. And they're the two biggest markets in the world, and if they get interested enough in it to um, put in a try to qualify for for the Olympics, and then all of a sudden you've got these two massive financial heavyweights that are now invested in playing cricket. America's already trying to put forward a, a, a much sort of bigger standing and, and push for full membership in the next ten years, sort of thing. So mm. um, it, it, just, it opens doors. Um, it brings. It brings people into the game to enjoy it. Um, it brings new players into the game. And I just think that um, just yeah. some safeguards do need to be taken to look after what birthed this format, which is test cricket. That's what the cricket's yeah. supposed to be. Well, and 50 over cricket. I, I feel it's probably been the, the biggest loser. Yeah. Um, yeah, which I... And I think we had this like conversation... Like I've said before, like I, I think sometimes 50 overs is... 
the best format of the game. Yeah. Like, it's got a little bit for everything. The onus is on the batsman to attack, but the bowler is still in it. Yeah, there's time. There's time. There's time to, to battle back from. Yeah. Like if you go, you lose three or four wickets early. You can still, you know, resurrect and fight. And you know, bowlers can still spend time trying to set up a batsman as opposed to every ball being, yeah. you know, a lucky Don't delivery. Get hit for six. Yeah, I got to hit the wide Yorker this one, and then yeah. no, if I just sort of dangle it outside off, dangle it outside off, and then get yeah, yeah. It, it's it's yeah. it's got enough. T20 elements and enough test elements that if you get a good game of one-day cricket, I'd... Yeah. Um, it's the Goldilocks I, form of the game. I, I'd agree with that, that, yeah, you can get um, <laughs> some of the most enjoyable games of cricket can be one day. Is if you, the ones that are, that are tough, though, are the ones that are just on absolute roads and you're watching, you know, batsmen for, you know, three hours just towel up bowlers and then you know that the second innings is just going to be yeah. um, batsmen toweling up bowlers. But at night time... <laughs> oh well, <laughs> but uh, but whatever, no. whatever. You, yeah, I mean, I don't think it really matters what people think of it. It's it's here to stay. That's um, it's yeah, too it, lucrative. It's a, it's a phenomenon that's only going to get bigger and better. But um, we we like you say, we can guard what we hold dear to us in the game. We'll round out our uh, week that was being uh, this week with a look back at uh, Viv Richards, arguably most famous test knock, being his uh, record holding 100 of 56 balls. It ended up being 110 of 58, not out. That was his, right. what the score ended up being against, so after against he, England. After he passed 100, he must have another boundary. <laughs> Um, Two more balls he faced. I think you probably yeah. hit them both for a boundary and went, oh, that'll do me. Yeah. Dud, let's get out of here. Yeah. Um, and yeah, what a what an innings it was. It was it's been in the folklore of of cricket, I suppose, ever since talking about it. Yeah. Uh, and the West Indies were giving England a pacing in that game. I believe that game um, was the second blackwash, as they as they dubbed it. Yeah, where they knocked out uh, England. Was was this when Tony Gregg was the captain? Uh, I don't think so. No. no. I okay, think it would this... have been after his time, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. So um, the the. Tony Gregg was the first. I think this was the the second one. Was this yeah. one? Okay. Um, so Desmond Haynes had a fantastic innings uh, up front to set the game up. Yeah. Um, and then the West Indies. Actually, it was probably a pretty good track for batting. Was looking at the scorecard. Marshall and Michael Holding. Malcolm Marshall and Michael Holding both scored seventies. Yeah. And Michael Holdings was it better than a runner ball? Right. Yeah, but I mean that. They usually, I mean, that was before the time when they would train bowlers to bat, really. Like, West Indies, the tail was very much an afterthought. It was just like, oh, okay, we'll go out and do your best and, you know, don't take too long because uh, we want to bowl with these guys. Yeah, well, Michael Holding averaged 13 okay. throughout his career. So, you know, we're no mug, but certainly yeah. not someone you think is going to peel off a 63-ball 73. Yeah. Uh, and then um, David Gower actually was had a pretty swashbuckling innings of ninety, right? Sort of get yeah. them within sort of you know touching distance. I suppose. So hang on, uh, how, how many did the West Indies make in that first inning? Four seven four. Okay, yeah. Um, England were three ten. So by yeah. touching distance, it's one hundred and sixty run. Well, they avoided so the, they avoided the follow on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then and then yeah, cue the music. Uh, Viv Richards comes out seven fours and seven sixes. Right. Um, I obviously didn't see the innings live. Neither of us did, but watched yeah. uh, watched highlights of it. And if you haven't seen any highlights, please after you finish this podcast, just. Turn off the, the SoundCloud app or whatever you're listening to yeah. on the good pods, yeah, whatever get, it is. Get rid of that, this crap. <laughs> go to YouTube, Viv yeah. Richards, 110 versus England. and the, He hits uh, Ian Botham over extra cover, and it was one of yeah. the most effortless things I've ever seen. Just yeah. And, just, and with, with an old bat. With an old bat. Yeah. Like, that, that, that I mean, re- you get used to that now, but yeah. Uh, like, there's that really famous one-handed shot for six that you see him play all the time. That was in this innings. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it just 
like this this was Viv. This this was Viv yeah. um, all over. This was he was just the This the was just, angry Viv. The destroyer of worlds yeah. when, you know, cricket was being played at two and a half runs yeah. and over and all very polite and yeah. This is him with the infinity rings. Yeah. This is <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this this was Viv Richards all over. This is what he did. He just came out and he took bowling attacks to task and yeah, there's been very few that have done it better, and and this is a record that stood for for decades. Yes, yeah. I mean, I I remember Gilchrist getting close to it. Yeah, he had a fifty seven ball. That was against England as well, which yeah. was um, and missed by one. Yeah. Um, though, uh, there's a bit of funny trivia around this. So that's the record has been equaled right. and then beaten. Do you know who those two batsmen were? Oh, I didn't know it had been beaten. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, is it in a in a test? In a test. Okay, I'm going to guess. Uh, if you, if Ro- you Rohit Sharma, new. Um, Earlier than Rohit Sharma. Okay. Can I get a nation? Uh, so. There are two different nations. So the one that equaled it is Pakistani. Okay. And the one that um, you should get this one if I say who beats it, the one who beat it is from New Zealand. Oh, right. Um, okay. So the one who beats it has to be Brendan McCullum. Yep. Right. Um, and probably the best guess that I can come up with for Pakistan is Shahid Afridi. No, it was Mizbah ul Oh, really? <laughs> Wow. Okay, so some extra bit of trivia for you. Yeah. Who was the nation that they did it against? Is it always England? <laughs> Are they always on the end it's, of this? It is not England. Okay. Um, it is the one nation, though, so both this nation had to cop both of these. Um, Bangladesh? Nope. Oh, okay. It's a, it's a, a top-tier nation. Top-tier nation. I guess it can only be one because I can't remember them doing it against us. So, South Africa. It was us. It was us. Did it again? Really? Brent McCullum's remember. last test against us. We had right. New Zealand in all sorts, and McCullum comes out and just goes bang, 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 bang. That's a decent score. I can't remember that. Must have been in New Zealand. It was in New Zealand, and then Mizbar was clobbering as well. We were playing over in the UAE. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, so it doesn't always happen to England, and we, we got the brunt of it twice. Wow. But yeah. yeah, what a so that's a record that stood for, and when you consider how rapid, because this is like, this is what, 80, 86, so one day cricket is slowly becoming a thing, but it's still not anywhere near as... Mm. You know what it is today. It's well before T Twenty, yeah. where you people are scoring hundred and fifty plus strike rates all the time. And this is Viv Richards had a strike rate of nearly one hundred and ninety and a record that stood for yeah thirty odd years. I think it was two thousand and ten ish somewhere yeah. around there. Two thousand and twelve. Yeah. And then with new bats and roped off boundaries. Yeah. You know they would have been playing to the fence. I imagine. Yep. Yeah. In the eighties. Yeah. So just um, just a staggering, staggering record, and again another one that seems to have popped up in this you know innocuous week in in April. So right, it's been a good week for historically for cricket, and I thought that yeah. it was def- it was worth a, mm. a trip down memory lane to have a have a look at all of these really exciting cricket moments. And like yeah. I said, guys, if you haven't seen Viv Richards' fastest hundred, or if you haven't seen much of Viv Richards. Like, yeah. do yourselves a favour. It's even worth it just to walk, watch him walk to the middle. Yeah. Like, imagine being that confident and in your where, ability. And I could be wrong, but I'm pretty wrong. I'm pretty sure I'm right. Viv Richards never wore a helmet. Hmm. I can't visualise Viv in a helmet. Like all of the images of Viv, doesn't yeah. matter what's happening, he's just in that, you know, looking yeah. lackadaisical, just wandering out just, in his cap. Just... He's strolling to the crease. I like, might have to Google it to make sure, but I'm pretty sure that Viv Richards just didn't wear a helmet, just decided, yeah, exactly. I don't need it. I'm yeah. fine. If they bowl it short, I'm just going to hook it for six, which she usually did. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah. Maybe later on in his career, he may have started, but I'm pretty sure, like, peak Viv, like, yeah. swagger Viv. Yeah, just, he mm. just, it was armed with nothing but his bat and his gloves. No, I, I think you're right. I don't think he wore a helmet. I, I think he would have seen it as a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> like, just gets in the if way. I, and... If I get hit in the head, I deserve it because <laughs> I missed it. Yeah. You know, that would be his attitude. <laughs> But, yeah, yeah, from here, if you haven't seen Viv Richards' highlights, once you finish this podcast, and I promise it's just about done, it's a nice short one this episode, um, go from here, swap apps on your phone, go to YouTube, Viv Richards' highlights, just watch. And this is a guy in the you know the 80s just tearing teams apart. The same way that guys like you know Joss Butler do, do in, in, in T20 cricket and David Warner and all these guys that uh, yeah. have, have just made this. Like, these are... Like, they're yeah. descendants of Viv. Viv he, started this. He did it before it was cool. Yeah. He, he made he, it he cool. He made it cool, yeah. <laughs> he made a lot of things cool, actually. I, I think one of my favourite things about yeah. Viv Richards was, um, and it, I think it was at Cowdroy was coming out. It's a thing that I read. He was coming out. He got his blazer on, you know, all ready for the toss, had the team list, and he watched yeah. just Viv Richards come strolling out in board shorts and, like, a Bob Marley T-shirt. <laughs> And he's there and he's like, all right, I'm the opposition captain and what I should be doing is I should be reading out the, the team list so I can let the opposition captain know. And um, so he's reading through it. He gets about three names in and Viv Richard cuts him off and says, play who you want, man. We're going to win. You know, play who you want. It don't matter either way. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, my <laughs> And it usually did. Drop the mic and, like, yeah, I mean, he could have made – he could have made – Using a pogo stick, cool. You know? It's like we don't need the toss. Look at the pitch. You're going to bat first, and we're going to bowl first yeah. if we win the toss because we're going to get you out. But like, yeah, it was just, it just, <laughs> yeah, just ooh, stories. Wasting my time. <laughs> we need to be with here. your awful team. You're you not going to bowl first to us on this pitch with Greenwich and Haynes at the top, <laughs> and then me batting at three. And uh, we're clearly going to send you in because we want to get out of here early. Like <laughs> it was, it was kind of like the cool West Indian way of saying, "Good luck, what a shit house looking lineup." <laughs> 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 um, all right, well that'll do us for this episode. We hope you've enjoyed the English bogey episode, episode yep. one eleven, uh, mm-hmm. and our just our whimsical trip down a memory lane to this. Some of the exciting things that happened this week in April throughout history. Uh, we should hopefully have all hands on deck next week we're hoping to get Gary back and if mm. you've been listening to our last few we've got a, another Aaron we're multiplying Yeah. so um, he should be back next week and we're going to start off a segment where between the four of us we're going to try to come together and pick our best all time test 11 mm-hmm. by nation so we'll do yeah. one nation and each week we're starting with the West Indies. And we're going to start with the mighty West Indies. So I think Viv might get a run. I think Viv will probably get a run too. Maybe you know <laughs> yeah. To be honest, if I was picking a all-time world eleven, yeah. I reckon Vivrich would still get a run. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to think about it for a world eleven, but you know, he's already in there. Let's face it, <laughs> for a West Indian all-time eleven. Yeah, yeah, he'd probably be the second one, maybe yeah. first or second one picked, probably depending. Yeah, yeah. I mean, between him and Sobers. Yeah, him and Sobers. And then there's Lara maybe just behind. The yeah. tricky bit will be how do we fit the 15 amazing fast bowlers that they've got and yeah, exactly. put them into, there's a lot them of into competition. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't bother with spinners in West Indian oh, teams. So this can bowl spin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, guys. But before we give away too much of our planning, that will do us for tonight. So I yep. uh, hope you're excited for that and tune in for it when we release our next episode, which will be, yeah, amongst other things, we'll be coming up with who what we think was the best test 11 of all time for the West Indies. But until then, bye for now. See you guys. Over. Sports Social Podcast Network.